Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach your word. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive and together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come through your word and your people will be supernaturally blessed and edified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Alright, so officially we're locked down in Bonnie Island. So, um, so this makes the service really... Um, online for everyone, so I'm glad that you're tuned in, and I'm hoping and believing that um, the services will be of a blessing to you during this period. And one of the things I want you to realize is that um, we're not backing down on the gospel. We're not. Uh, there is no challenge that will reduce the intensity of the gospel or the preaching of God's word. If there is a time where we need to feed ourselves. Um, on the word of God it is now praise God and so we will continue with our series on hard work and prosperity and we've been looking at this whole thing about material increase believing and establishing the fact that God wants us to increase materially but there are certain things that God wants us to do and and it's very important you know um, the other day someone asked me a question regarding um, prayers and I, I was trying to share with the person about the fact that, you know, sometimes in life, you cannot just say this and this and this is responsible for it, um, for unanswered prayer or answered prayers. There are several combinations. There are several things that will be required to have answers to prayer or some other things why prayers are not answered. And the reason I'm saying that is that most of us have approached the subject of prosperity from just one angle. And one angle is that just given okay that's one angle and then some also have gone this way and it's also about investment and all of that and there is no um, sowing or no giving praise god so we dealt with that in all of that but this this morning i want to look at hard work and prosperity go with me to genesis chapter 2 and verse 2 genesis chapter 2 and verse 2 now the bible says by the seventh day God completed his work which he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. So we realize from the act of creation that God created the world for six days. He worked for six days, literally creating the earth. All right, And he rested on the seventh day. So the picture of God, and that's very important, the picture of God that we have from the beginning is a God that works. We don't have a picture of a God who rested seven days and walked for one day. No, we have a picture of a God who was busy building, who was busy creating. It's amazing that that's the first picture of God that we have when we open the scriptures. Now, I've done a series before, and you can request it on biblical 
um, the biblical perspective to walk. And it's a two-part series. You can find it on our website. Go and I encourage you to go and download it. It'll help you understand some of the things that I may not cover here. But you realize that the first thing we see about God is the fact that God is a creator. He went to work. So the Bible says he, uh, he rested on the seventh day. Now, in Genesis chapter 2 verse 15, so in Genesis 2 2, we see God as a creator, God as the one who worked. Now, in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15, look at this carefully. The Bible says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So, we see God as the one who worked. He created man in his image and what happened? (laughs) He said, this is the garden. He didn't say, well, that's the garden, Adam. Go and relax. Just chillax. You know, just relax. Enjoy life. You're God's child now. No. He says, take care of the garden. Tend it. Work it. And take care of it. So, we realize that God created man and put him in the garden and gave him the responsibility of maintaining that garden through hard work. I mean, if you've ever planted stuff, if you've ever um, managed a garden, you will realize that managing a garden takes a lot of diligence and hard work. So, we have the picture in Genesis chapter 2 verse 2 of a God that works. We have a picture in Genesis 2.15 of God who created a man that works. Now, God gave Adam work before he gave him a wife. And so it's important to, as young people to keep our priorities right. I see so many people uh, who are very lazy, but they are very strong in relationship. They just, they are in relationship and there's no work. <laughs> there's no, they're not putting in the work. The priority of God was to establish man in his work and then he gave him a wife to help him. Are you following that now? So you, you, you understand that divine order. Now, I want to clarify something before we move further, which is the difference between walking under the blessing and walking under the curse. So if you go to Genesis chapter 3, we've looked at Genesis 2 now. Go with me to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 19. When man sinned, now you, you, you somebody say, well, uh, you know, there's this curse of hard work. I work so hard. And, and I see little or no result. Where this is, this is the problem right here. And this is also the solution. Genesis chapter 3 and verse uh, 19 I said. Okay, you, you remember when Adam sinned and God had to curse, place the curse. Let's go to verse 17. Then, Adam's, then to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. So the ground is cursed. In toil, observe that word, you will eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you will eat bread till you return to the ground. Now, you realize something here. When the curse came into effect, the hard work produces a lot of sweat and toil. It's almost like a struggle. And the Bible says that the ground will yield for you thorns and thistles. That means the ground will not be as productive as it should be. And this is not what we're talking about here. This is work under the curse. And, 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 and it's beautiful to know that just as the scripture says, thorns and thistles, it shall grow for you. When Jesus was crucified on the cross, glory to God, a crown of thorns were placed in his head that pierced his head and drops of blood touched the ground. Glory to God. And in that very moment, the curse on the ground 
was broken. The curse over the ground was broken. And if a child of God would believe, Galatians chapter 3 verse 13, that caused the sea who hung on the tree for us, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the generous, you realize that by the grace of God, the blessing is now on your life and your ground is no longer cursed. So the issue of, you know, I work so hard and I see little, you've got to apply the word of God. God wants you to work and he wants your ground to produce. Praise God. Now let me show you something again. Go to Psalm 127. Because these have been a major issue in the life of believers. And they're like, you know, well, when the blessing of God is on your life, you don't have to work hard. That's not true. That's not true. Praise God. A, 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 a Christian culture that builds a teaching of favor around laziness will build irresponsible Christians. I repeat that again. A, a Christian theology that builds, that, that teaches the favor of God uh, <coughs> and, and almost exempts you from walking will build irresponsibility. Now go to Psalm 107. 127 verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. Now go, go to verse uh, 2. It is vain for you to rise up early, to retire late, to eat the bread of painful labors, or to eat the bread of sorrow, for he gives his beloved. Now, it, now, now, if you, you, you know, when you read the King James Version of this, and pay attention to this, this is very important. When you read the King James Version of this, it says, to eat the bread of sorrow, for it gives his beloved sleep. Now, you, you might miss that a bit. The, this is what the, the, the New American Standard Version says. It is vain for you to rise up early, to retire late, to eat the bread of painful labors, for he gives to his beloved even in his sleep. Now, the word even in his sleep, actually, was in italics. So, what you see there is this. The difference between the beloved and the one who eats the bread of painful sorrow is that there is a rest factor. The fact that God is giving to this person or that the blessing of God is in the life of this person. So, it doesn't, talk, it doesn't say that in the sense of, Waking up early and going to bed late is a bad thing. No, it just talks about the fact that this set of people, they are trying to build a house without the Lord in it. Or they are trying to walk hard without the blessing in it. Praise God. And so, they eat the bread of painful sorrow or painful labor, which is also almost like the product of the curse. Glory to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, um, let's go to Proverbs 13 and verse 22. Praise God. Proverbs 10, 22. You see, the scripture says, The blessing of the Lord make it rich, and he added no sorrow. What am I trying to do right here? I'm trying to establish the fact that there is hard work under the curse, where people toil and toil and toil and toil, and there's little to show for it. But there is work, hard work by the scriptures, where the blessing of God is on your life, but you have to work hard. So, the blessing of God makes your hard work, it takes out the painful labor or the sorrow. That's what it does. But then you have to work. Because it says, except the Lord builds the house, the labor in vain will build it. But we know that the Lord is not going to come down to build a house for you. And that's what has been happening to a lot of believers. They are waiting on God. But the blessing is on your life already. You are the blessed of the Lord. Ephesians 1.3 Praise God. God wants to do amazing things through us, but we must cultivate the, the habit of the lifestyle of diligence. Glory to God. Now, Proverbs chapter 10, glory to God, verse 22. 
I want to read two translations. The CBB Bible says, The blessing, the Lord's blessing enriches. And he adds no painful efforts to it. The blessing of the Lord enriches. And he adds no painful effort to it. Praise God. The JPS Bible says, The blessing of the Lord maketh rich, and toil added nothing to it. That means, the blessing of the Lord is what makes you rich. But the blessing of the Lord itself is the supernatural empowerment of God crowning your efforts. So, let me give you an example. Let's look at Jacob and Laban. When Jacob went to the house of Laban, the, by the grace and the glory of God, Jacob experienced increase, praise God. Jacob experienced increase. Uh, Laban experienced increase. Jacob experienced increase. And Jacob said he wanted to go. And Laban said, no, I want you to name your wages. But say, no, I need to provide for my house. But what happened? God gave him an idea. And what was the idea? Put a striped stake in front of the strong sheep and all of that and all of that. And at the end of the day, we realized that, <laughs> man, Jacob grew wealthy. Jacob increased materially. But did he have to work? Yes, he had to work. He had to put those, imagine staying in the bush and having to put sticks in front of animals. And you have to do that for every animal that was strong. You would do that for every animal that was weak. You took it out. That was hard work. But what was the blessing of God there? The blessing of God was the fact that God gave him that idea in the slip. Do you understand the difference right now? So there is the issue of, so I've heard people say, it's not hard work that make people increase in life. No, no. Everybody has to work hard. It's either you're working hard under the blessing or you're working hard under the curse. And if you are a child of God, the curse has been broken. Praise God. If you still have issues with generational curses, get on our website, request for a series, a four-part series on... Um, I did a, a biblical exposition on that subject. It'll help you. Now, Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 13. So let's go to hard work. Let's, so we're studying hard work under the blessing now, so you understand the context. Deuteronomy chapter 5, and verse 13. The fourth commandment, God said... Six days you shall labor and do all your work. So he told the children of Israel, you have to work for six days. And rest just on the seventh day. And like I said before, all through this series, I'm, I'm writing a book on this. It should be out next month. There's a whole lot of materials uh, that I cannot cover in the teaching, but it's important that you get a hold of the book next month and, and see some of the things that I explained here. Now, it says six days you shall labor. So God says the children of Israel must work for six days. And that's the approach we must have. We must begin to embrace work from a biblical, godly mindset. We must not see hard work as a curse. Praise God. Now, uh, John chapter 4 verse 34. John four thirty four. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. So, Jesus saw his assignment as work. And man, did Jesus go about his assignment hard? <laughs> the man did. Yes, sometimes he would say, you know what, we must go to other cities, for that's why I came. In fact, there was a time uh, Jesus was tired and was hungry. I mean, the guy sat on a well and sent his disciples to go get him food. Before the disciples came back, this man, Jesus, had preached to the woman of, of Samaria and the whole city was already coming. In fact, and he says, you know what? I mean, that's John 4. That's the story we're in there. The whole city came and the disciple says, this man is not hungry anymore. That's hard work. Jesus didn't say, well, you know, woman at the well, man, I've been preaching. I'm tired. I'm just hungry. You know, I'll talk to you next time. There, there is this approach to life that must not be loose. 
Praise God. And of course, there's a place for rest. There's a place for vacation. There's a place for taking time to rest. I talked about that. But it's important for us, first of all, to have a mindset that we cannot experience certain levels of increase without being hard workers. And that's important. That's important. You know, I was talking to a couple of pastors the other day and we were having this discussion. And I was telling them, I realized I've worked harder this period than I had when everything was okay. Because the first response to a situation like this is to just lay back. Oh, you know, and put the blame. But listen, come on. We trust God that things are going to be alright. We're putting our faith on the line. But let's just assume this goes on for a couple of months. Will you put your whole ministry on hold because something happened in the world? A thousand times no. Praise God. A thousand times no. <laughs> Glory to God. I said a thousand times no. You, 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 you have to look, you have to create the opportunity to be of a blessing to the people. And that's what you have to do. You have to approach it with a mindset of hard work. You have to see preaching the gospel as work. And you have to go about it and work hard with it. In fact, uh, I think last week, my, my kids were talking to my wife and they said, well, it's like we're going to be going on our break. We're going to be going to see daddy in the office for our break. She said, because, I mean, he's, he's up in the morning and he comes back a bit late and, you know, we're not seeing him. Now, of course, there's, there's a place of spending time with the family and all of that, which is very important. But what I'm trying to say right here is that nothing that happens on the earth should give you an excuse to be lazy. Even as a pastor. Even as a single person. You're, or you're on lockdown right now. I mean, a couple of people listening to me, wherever, on, lo- on different phases of lockdown. Get something doing. Study a curse. Read a book. Write a book. Get a craft. If you allow your body to be lazy by the time you come out of this system, you will not be able to function at your maximum potential. Glory to God. Now, John 5, 17, Jesus said, My father has been working until now and I have been working. Can you see that? My father has been working until now and I have been working. So, we see God as a man who, uh, uh, sorry, we see God as someone who works in Genesis chapter 2. We see man created to work the God in Genesis 2.15. In John 5.17, Jesus comes and establishes that fact in the New Testament, praise God, that my father is working and I am working. So, in the kingdom, we have a work culture. Glory to God. We have a work culture. Now, in, in Max 6, 31, I want to see something here. Max is go with me to Max chapter 6, verse 31. Then Jesus said, let us go up by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said, he said rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles did not even have time to eat. Can you see that? Jesus said, come on guys, let's go. Let's go and rest for a while. Why? They've been working. The Bible says so many people were coming and going that they did not even have time to eat. So we, uh, we see, many people think that what Jesus was just doing with the apostles was just trekking the streets of Galilee, just working, working, working. They go anywhere, they would just relax and just eat. And it was fun. It wasn't fun in that sense. It was fun because they were fulfilling God's purpose. But it was hard work traveling with 12 people. Praise God. Praise God forevermore. But the Bible says that Jesus says, come, let's go and rest a while. He didn't just say, come, let's go and rest. We're tired. No, no. It rest a while. Just take a, take a break and let's continue this mission. And that's the approach 
Praise God. You must have towards work. Ephesians 4.28. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Are you getting blessed? Say amen if you are. Praise God. Ephesians 4.28. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. And what is stealing? Stealing is trying to get what you didn't work for. Stealing is trying to get what you didn't work for. Nowadays, people tell you all kinds of stories just to extort from you. Lie with sickness, lie with all kinds of things just to get money from you. That's stealing. That's stealing. That's a form of stealing. Corruption, corruption. <clears throat> Trying to earn much more than you earn in your office by changing figures and, 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 and misquoting contracts. A believer shouldn't have any of those attitudes. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. And he was writing to the church in Ephesians. <laughs> to the saints in Ephesus. Some guys there were not good guys. But must work. Doing something useful with their own hands. That they may have something to share with those in need. He says if you're stealing, don't steal any longer. Get something to do. Work hard with your own hands. So you can have something to give. Praise God. The, the New Living Translation says, If you are a thief, quit stealing. <laughs> Praise God. Instead, use your hands for good hard work. This is not a work to just be like, you know, well, I'm just working. I'm just, no, no. Have a mindset. I'm going to work hard. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. The kingdom of God is amazing. It says work hard and be of a blessing. We look at Paul, 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 9. You remember brothers, our labor and toil. We walked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim the gospel to you. So Paul said here, we don't want to be a burden so we have to work. And, I, and, and I've seen people use this as a theology to say that well, Paul had to work to provide his own needs in ministry. Uh, he, he, so today nobody should be a full-time minister. Well, that's a one-sided, unbalanced, very unscriptural uh, teaching of the Word of God. The reason Paul had to work was not to be of a burden to the people in Thessalonica, but Paul also talked about the right he had as a minister of the gospel. And Paul clearly said that those who preach the gospel should live by the gospel. In Galatians 6, 6, Paul says, if we minister spiritual things to you, uh, it's not out of place for you to minister kind of things to us. For he says, the laborer is worthy of his wages. Paul talked about that. And in Philippians 4, uh, 15 to 19, Paul appreciated his partners that what they gave to him was a sweet-smelling sorrow unto God. And one of the things Paul said, he said, no one ministered to me except you, the Philippians, once, um, once and, and then you ministered to me again. So Paul had to do this because he wasn't having the support he needed to have to be able to preach the gospel. I'll tell you this, if you're genuinely called of God, and you're really, really, really working hard at what you do, there'll be enough to occupy you, praise God. Okay. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11 to 12. Make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business, and walking with your hands, just as we instructed you before. Then people who are not believers will respect the way you live, and you will not need to depend on others. So Paul here says, listen, you've got to work hard. You've got to work with your own hands, and then people can respect unbelievers when they see you. You know, sometimes, you know, uh, if you talk about employment, some people don't want to employ believers because they feel believers are lazy. 
And what, why do they say so? Because sometimes they're going to come to work and they spend the first two hours praying and praying and binding and casting and losing and setting on fire and killing. They use the next one hour to sprinkle anointing oil all over the premises. I mean, can you just sit down, shut up and get to work? And so it says when you walk with your hands, you'll be an example to those, okay, who are outside. And then you don't have to depend on anyone. Hard work essentially makes you self-dependent in that sense. If you are lazy, there's no way you're not going to depend on people. Praise God. And so we must develop a strong work ethic. We must develop a strong work ethic. We must begin to see work from a biblical perspective. Praise God. Now, if you go to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. In verse 1 to 6, Jesus talked about a parable. Jesus talked about a parable. And, and talked about the parable of the landowner. And if you read from Matthew chapter 20, verse 1 to 6, one of the things that Jesus constantly said was, When the landowner came and saw some men idle, he said to them, Why stand ye idle? And he employed them and said, Go to my garden and work. Go to my garden and walk. Verse 3. Okay, let's say from verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. <clears throat> verse 2. When he had agreed with the laborers for a dinner for the day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And so he said, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, I'll give to you. And he did this constantly. Immediately he came out and he saw people idle. He said, get a walk. Get a walk. You see, you must deal with idleness in your life. It's when people are idle that they think all kinds of thoughts. All kinds of useless, foolish, satanic thoughts come through their mind when they're idle. Because when you're busy, you see, when you're busy, you're putting your mind to work. When you're idle, your mind starts roaming. Starts roaming. And there's, there's a possibility your mind is going to collide with the devil. Praise God. And that's why you discover that many people who get busy usually do not engage in certain things. But people who are not busy... I tell you, I mean, productively busy now. Because by the time at the end of the day, if you've done all your work and, I mean, you've done, you just want to go home and just sleep. Sometimes you don't even have time for the television. Because you're just, I mean, you just want to catch rest. But when you're not hardworking, you, you have all the time in the world to go through whatever you need to go through. Social media, television, geez, gossip and all of that. And sometimes when I see how much time people have available to them, I can tell their level of productivity. If I see how much time people have that for just some casual things, I can tell how much their productivity is. This world was not created just for leisure and pleasure. We must, we must understand that. This world was created so we can tend to a particular garden. This would be your purpose. This could be whatever the Lord has called you to do and it would require hard work. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 10 to 12. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 10 to 12. Even while we were with you, New Living Translation, we gave you this command. Those unwilling to walk will not get to eat. And it's very straight. This doesn't need any interpretation. He says, if you will not work, don't eat. You see, there is a concept of a welfare system. 
that we've built in our society that almost makes people helpless. And, 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 and the Jewish culture, and Paul talking about this, the Christian culture was highly against this. That if a man is unwilling to walk, let him not eat. If a man is unwilling to walk, let him not eat. For instance, if someone asks you for money, for instance, and you tell them, well, okay, fine, I'll give you this money, but come and maybe wash my car, clean the house, or help me do this, you know what you're going to feel like? The man doesn't really want to help me. He wants me to suffer for the money. If he wants to give me, he should just give me. No, that's not the idea. I mean, people can bless you without doing anything for them, but it's not also out of place to say, listen, I want to be of a blessing to you, but I need you to do this. Why? It fits into this principle. That if a man is unwilling to walk, he should not eat. Yet we hear some of you are living idle lives. Look at this. He's talking to believers here. He's not talking to unbelievers. And that's why I'm preaching to you this morning about this. He says, we, we know some of you are living idle lives. Refusing to work. And meddling in other people's business. Where did they have the time to meddle on other people's business? Or to get involved in other people's business? It's simply because they were refusing to work. Refusing to work and meddling in other people's business. Look at this, verse 12. We command such people and urge them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and to work to end their own living. Can you see this? Can you see this? He says, we, if I pour how to bring the name of the Lord Jesus here. He says, we command such people and urge them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and to work to end their own living. We must have a healthy perspective to work. He says, settle down. Stop being busy. Stop going around. Stop living an idle life. And for some of us, as we begin to progress, I pray that the Lord helps us. As we begin to progress, you realize that some of us have jobs, but we go about it in an idle manner. We're not focused. We don't do what we call, what Carl Newton would call a deep work. We don't, when we go to, 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 to our offices, we spend more time talking, doing all kinds of things. We spend eight hours in the office, but our productive le- productivity level, if measured, is actually two hours. The remaining um, um, six hours was just wasted on nothing. Nothing was done. Nothing was accomplished. In fact, when I began to study this and I began to study the concept of productivity, you realize that most people are productive just about four to five hours in the day. The rest of the day is chit-chat, is this, is that, is this. You need to know that if you want to get things done, you need to do what you call focused, focused work. Focused work. Deep work. You concentrate on your job. You, you are able to get the best out of that. Praise the name of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 14 verse 23. Come on, glory to God. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 23. All hard work brings a profit, but mere talks lead only to poverty. The New Living Translation says, Work brings profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. The God's World Translation says, In hard work there is always something gained, but idle talk leads only to poverty. There is no substitute for hard work. There is no substitute for hard work. Without hard work, nothing grows but weeds. You know, I learned this story of uh, 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 a story I read some time ago, and it's a very beautiful story, and I, I kind of enjoyed it. It's funny, but it's a beautiful story. A man had uh, this large patch of land. It was overgrown with weeds. So he cut the land, cleared the land, tilled the soil, planted some beautiful flowers. And so it ended up becoming a very, very beautiful garden. It ended up becoming a very beautiful garden. And so one man was passing. 
you know, along. And he said, wow, look at what God has done. <laughs> and the man who owned the garden said, well, you should have seen this garden when God had it all by himself. Glory to God. Well, some of you might not get that. But what the man was trying to say is, listen, when God had this garden all by, him, by himself, it was overgrown with wheat. It was when I came in and started planting that it became this beautiful. What was the man trying to teach us in this story? Listen, God can give you a parcel of land. God is not going to get the job done for you. I've seen, and I want to say this now, you listen to me very carefully. I've seen very gifted people operate below their potential because they're too lazy to put in the hard work. And it's especially challenging when you're gifted. Because, for instance, when you're gifted, if you do something, if you get ready in 10 minutes... You can, you, can, you can preach a wonderful sermon. Let's say, for instance, a pastor. You're a teacher of the word. You know, in 10 minutes, wow, you can get a sermon ready and, and people will be blessed. But that's not your best. That's not your best. You know, early days of ministry, when I was coming up in ministry, sometimes I used to prepare my messages on Saturday nights and going over my messages. And, and I read a book. And that book changed my life. It said, listen, you have to start preparing very early. And preparing very early. And if you start preparing very early, before you get to Sunday that you're going to preach, a whole lot of material is going to build up. And I, I, I do that right now. By Tuesday, my Sunday message is ready. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I'm praying over it and putting stuff and things. And that's why my messages keep growing. Praise God. So there is a level of hard work you need to put to the potential and the gifting and the abilities that God is giving to you for you to experience material increase on the earth. And that's what we're talking about. For you to come to a level of prosperity on the earth, you have to put in the hard work. You know, whilst we're in school, there was this whole concept going all around, sack your boss, be your own boss, stay on your own and do that. And some people felt that, well, if I'm on my own, I'll do better. I'll tell you the truth. Sometimes if you become the head of an organization, you don't know what they go through. In fact, yesterday night I was thinking, I said, man... Uh, I mean, everybody's affected, but I think pastors, man, God just needs to help us through this period. You're coordinating a lot of stuff. You're trying to make sure this is going on, this is happening. You're not sure what the government is going to do. And you have people you have to look after. You have people you have to minister to financially. You have to pray. You've got your own family. You've got your own kids. Everything just coming together at once. You need to be strong in the inner man. And to be able to pull an organization, a local church together, you need to be a hard worker. And so some people left where they were and went to start their own company and they realized, man, when you have your own company, there's no closing time. When you were working for someone, you could, you know, punch the clock, 8 o'clock, punch the clock, 4 o'clock and go home. Now you're in your own bus. You discover you're still working round the clock. Praise the name of the Lord. Come on, are you still here? Alright, even in ministry, Paul teaches us about labor. One of the things Paul said, he says, I labor more than you all, not me, but the grace of God. So Paul shows us the concept of labor and grace. That there is a labor that we would have. Actually, it almost looks like we're not laboring. It's the grace of God. But when you look at it also, you can see much labor. Do you realize Paul said that when all the apostles were there, that I labored more than you all? And it's clear. He wrote to third of the New Testament. Most of the New Testament was written from prison. I mean, some of us can hardly write a book in the, all, in the midst of all the comfort we have, not to talk about writing and reading in prison. Paul was a hard worker. He talked about all the things he had to go through, shipwreck, toy, food, uh, hunger, fasting, uh, perils of armed robbers, and the man still produced books for us. 
I mean, some people can hardly go through anything and, they, and all they'll do about their life is complain, complain, complain. Listen to me, life is tough. Get used to it. Get in the Word. Get in the blessing. Get in the favor of God and put in the hard work. Believers need to rise to a new level of hard work. Glory to God. Alright. Now, Romans chapter 16 verse 12. Praise God. Greet those workers in the Lord. Trifiana and Trifosa. Greet the beloved Persis. Who has walked hard in the Lord. Here Paul was greeting. Here Paul was greeting these laborers. And he identified them by saying they have worked hard for the Lord. Now I want you to see that the concept of working hard is very scriptural. A believer should have a strong work ethic. And this work ethic is what releases us to a dimension of prosperity. The Bible always associates laziness with poverty. The Bible always associates laziness with poverty. And we must have that, we must, we must, we must realize that. We must realize that. And no theology in the Christian faith should promote laziness or breath laziness in the mindset of people. Praise God. Hard work isn't just about how many calories we expend or how many hours we invest, but how diligently we put effort to accomplish the job that needs to be done. And that's why I'm talking about productive work. So if you spend four hours, you get something done. It's not like you're spending five hours, your phone is open, in between there's chats, there's social media, there's Instagram, and it's just loose work. By the time you get up after eight hours and ask yourself what you've done, nothing. I mean, there are days I come to the office and I'm calling these, speaking with these, and I just realize it's four o'clock. I've not done anything. And there are days I just come to the office, I put my phone up very early. By 12, I'm done with a chapter of a book or I've written something, I've developed a curriculum, something has been done, I've read a book or something. You see, if we cannot fight distractions, we cannot become hard workers. I'll say that again. If you cannot say no to distraction, you cannot become what? A hard worker. Glory to the name of the Lord. So, there's the concept of, of hard work and smart work. Now, the issue of Hard work and smart work is not that one should be exchanged for the other. No. Finish your task. Finish it well. And be wary of social media distraction. So you work hard and you work smart. Okay? Because some people's concept of smart work is just advanced form of laziness. They don't get anything done and say, oh, it's smart work. Of course, we're not saying that you go about doing the same thing over and over again and there's no productivity and there's no review. But it's important for you to also know that the smart worker needs to be a hard worker. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, so let me look at some principles from Scripture. There's a whole lot of material here. But let me look at some principles from Scripture. Maybe we deal with this and then we can begin to see how we can wrap up. Praise God. Let, let's, let's look at this. Ten principles from Scriptures about work or hard work. Number one, we work as unto the Lord. We work as unto the Lord. So, when I'm working hard, I'm not just looking at it as a means of getting something or as a means of... Uh, 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 just like, oh, I'm working hard. So this, no, it's unto the Lord. A believer has to work hard as unto the Lord. So my work is part of my worship. Whatever you do, Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, walk heartily. Walk heartily. That's walk with your mind there. Put your mind in your work. There's no hard work without putting your mind in the task. Praise God. As for the Lord and not for men. Walk as for the Lord and not for men. 
And why is this concept important when we're discussing hard work and prosperity? It's because sometimes people feel like, well, this is not my business, I'm not going to put in my effort. But the scripture says, if you're not faithful in another man's own, God will not give you your own. What does that tell me? My faithfulness in serving another man, in working diligently for another man, opens the door to mine. That's what happened to, to Jacob and Laban. Jacob worked so hard for Laban, God gave him his. David worked so hard for his father, God gave him the throne. David said, he said, God took me from leading the few sheep my father had to becoming a leader over his people. You see, David was diligent about those sheep. He worked hard for those sheep. How do we know? He says, when the bear came, I ran after the bear and killed it. When the lion came, I ran after the lion and killed it. I mean, David could have said, well, it's my father's lion. Uh, uh, it's my father's sheep. Let me run and go and tell my father. But I'm going to say, you know, oh, it's not easy. I've been in the ha. Oh, the lion came. What would the father say? The father would not say, why would you you kill the lion? The father would say, well, thank God you're alive. Thank God you ran. You see, there are things you can let, you can leave um, in your office on dawn and nobody's going to query you for them. Nobody will. It's not your job in that sense. You can do your work, just, you know, do your work as recommended and leave everything else. The bear might come and the bear might destroy the company. The lion might come. It's none of your business. But you realize that the work you're doing for someone right now is a training for the promotion that God has for you in the future. I'll repeat that again. The work you're doing for someone right now is a training and promotion for what God has for you in the future. I believe that if you approach other people's work as, you, as if you're walking unto, unto the Lord, the Lord will become your source of increase and the source of blessing. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus. Number two, we should not require supervision to work hard. In your personal life, don't require supervision to work hard. I mean, I say this all the time in my office. I don't need a motivation to work hard. I don't need a motivation to work hard. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. I mean, when this whole thing started and it was locked down a couple of months, I still get up, eat, get up early, do my devotion, get up, get dressed, still hit the office 9, 9.30 and still close at the time I need to close. Now, as a pastor of the church, it's possible, I mean, with not having physical gatherings, it's okay for me to just lie down, sleep, enjoy, relax. No, but I still work. I still go to the office. I still work. I'm still going to do that tomorrow. Tomorrow is Monday. I'm still going to show up in the office. I'm still going to get a job done. Why? Because a man who works hard requires no supervision. Many people will do well. If they're supervised. Few people will do well without supervision. I'll repeat that again. Many people will do well if they are supervised. Few will do well if they're not supervised. And those few are those that break into a level of material prosperity. Can you walk without supervision? Go to the ant, you sluggard, consider our ways and be wise. Which have no captain, overseer or ruler, provides our supplies in summer and gathers our food in the harvest. How long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, little slumber, little folding of hands to sleep. So shall your poverty. This scripture always challenges me because it makes the poverty your personal property. Say so shall, not so shall our poverty. Say no. So shall your personal poverty come on you like an armed man. He says a little sleep, a little slumber. A little falling on hand. Let's just relax. Ah, I cannot come and kill myself. <laughs> he says, your poverty is coming to you like an armed man. And you know what happens? When an armed man comes and you're not armed, what's going to happen? 
What's going to happen? You're going to submit to it. So your being armed against poverty is hard work. It's get to work. 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 Glory to God. So you must learn to work without what? Supervision. Number three. Laziness will cause your potentials to deteriorate. Without hard work, there's no productivity. And somebody say, yeah, but pastor, I'm trying. Can you try a bit more? Come on, how many of you have been trying to write a book for the last two, three years? You're just in chapter one. In just chapter one, you just wrote introduction. That's all you've written in three years. Look at this. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 30 to 32. I went by the field of the lazy man and by the vineyard of the man devoid of understanding. And there it was, all overgrown with thorns. Its surface was covered with nettles. Its stone wall was broken down. When I, cons- when I saw it, I considered it where I looked on it and received instruction. Look at the lives of the lazy people around you who are not hard workers, who are not productive. Look at their lives and learn. L- never make a lazy man your mentor. Praise God. Come on. I said, praise God. Never make someone who is lazy. Work hard. Work hard. Have a mindset of work. Number four. When you employ a lazy person, you cause yourself harm. Proverbs 10.26 As rain got to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is a lazy man to those who send him. Proverbs 10.26 How are you to your employees? Are you a hardworking staff? If they want to drop staff out of laziness of being hardworking, would you be picked? Will you be retained? And these are questions as believers we need to ask ourselves. It's not just about getting into the office and shouting, oh, the favor of God is upon my life. The favor, the favor of God upon your life would make you work hard. The favor of God upon the life of Joseph opened the door for him to be a prime minister in Egypt when he was not supposed to be a prime minister, but he gave him the responsibility of managing the economy of Egypt in famine. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. To manage the economy of a whole nation, the dense civilization of the world, was no mean job. And you realize he was put as head of the prison to supervise the prisoners. That was hard work. He was put as head of Potiphar's uh, household. The whole slaves under Potiphar were under his care. Can you see Joseph? Can you see Joseph? How he rose from one degree of work to another. And I say this all the time. The reward for hard work is more work. If you can get things done, God will commit more into your hands. I've never, never had a day where it's less work for me. It's never. It's more work. It's more work. And I'm enjoying it. Glory to God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. See, Joseph worked hard in, in, in Pharaoh's house. And he became uh, the head of the slave in Potiphar's house. Now, you realize this. He could have, you know, every time um, Joseph is cleaning, I'm not supposed to be here. If they didn't sell me, you know, uh, Maybe they say bring water. Ah, if I was in my father's house, who would be asking me to bring water? You know, people walk with a grumpy attitude. Go to work very hard. You go to work and they have to use two hours to get you happy. Oh, smile. Oh, smile. Oh, smile. And everybody, you know, do you remember Joseph went into prison and asked the guys, what's making you sad? And, and he said, well, I had a dream. It means he wasn't sad. Imagine getting into the prison and you're not sad and you're asking other people, what's making you sad? I mean, if you're a prisoner, you ask him, are you, are, are, are something wrong with you? Being in prison alone is enough to be sad. What kind of useless question is that? 
Are you following this? So Joseph had this joyous attitude about his job. He was excited about his work. You know, one of the stories I read about Abraham that made me uh, find out the way these people saw work, when they saw the three angels coming, you know, you know what the scripture says? It says, Abraham ran and went to prepare a meal for them. Abraham ran and went to prepare a meal for them. This man had 318 servants in his house, but he still went to prepare the meal for those visitors. And they spoke the blessing over his life. Glory to God. Never be too big for work. Never be too big for work. You know, our concept sometimes is that, oh, when, I've, when, I've, when I'm done, when I've made money, I'll just relax in front of my house and just take champagne and just take, you know, drink and just invite my friends and we'll just play music and we'll just relax. <laughs> my father is working and I'm still working. Somebody say, oh, so when will you retire from working? No, you don't retire. You get more productive. There's so much more to be done. You look at our teenagers today. There's work to be done. Look at your own life. Look at businesses. A lot of things need to be done. Our world is not where it needs to be yet. Glory to the name of the Lord. Praise God. Wow, I've got 10 more minutes. Mm. Number five. Whatever your hands find to do, do it with your might. Ecclesiastes 9 turn. Whatever you do, do well. For when you go to the grave, there will be no work or planning or knowledge or wisdom there. All the work you need to work is right here on earth. When you go to the grave, there's no more work. You can actually rest. <laughs> Luke 16, 10. One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. Number six. Reduce your talk and increase your work rate. Reduce your talk and increase your work rate. Proverbs 14, 23 to 24. All hard work brings profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Reduce your talk. I mean, today you go on social media, a lot of people boasting about so many things, and you look at their work rate zero. Our world today is full of showmanship. Showmanship. People who don't have resources, putting all kinds of stuff out there, and you feel like, oh, well, you know, this is, this is it. But that's not true. That's not true. Reduce your talk and get a walk. Let your walk speak for you. Let your walk do the speaking. Let whatever you're doing be what blows your trumpet. Praise the name of the Lord. Number seven. I like this. You can choose to labor willingly or be put to forced labor. You can choose to tell yourself, I'm going to work hard. Or the day is going to come where you have no option, but somebody will make you work hard. Look at this. Proverbs 12, verse 24. A diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in what? Forced labor. A diligent hand will rule, but laziness ends in forced labor. Number eight. Your work rate will determine your earning rate. Your work rate will determine your earning rate. There are levels of increase and prosperity that you're not permitted to experience except you're a hard worker. Proverbs 28 verse 19 to 20. A hard worker has plenty of food, but the person who chases fantasies ends up in poverty. You keep having this big dream. One day I'm going to do this. One day I'm going to do that. But there's no work to it. There's no effort to it. He says if you chase fantasies, you will end up in poverty. But if you're a hard worker, you're going to have plenty of food. Praise God. 
And I, I must put a disclaimer here. We're not saying hard, work hard at the expense of your family or at the expense of serving God. That's going to another extreme. You don't solve a problem by going to the other extreme. You stay in the middle of the road. Praise the name of the Lord. Proverbs 13, 4 say, Lazy people want much but get little. But those who work hard will prosper. Lazy people want much but get little. But those who work hard will prosper. Lazy people want much but get little. But those who work hard will prosper. God wants us to work hard so we can prosper. It's not just about wanting much and getting little. Our desires must not exceed our work rates. Somebody wants to be a, a, a public speaker, for instance. Maybe that's what you want to be. Public speaker, for instance. You're just hoping for the day you're going to speak before thousands. What work level are you putting? What books are you reading? What are you doing to improve your English? What are you doing to speak properly? Why is it that we want a, a big life and we want to put little effort? Whatever we call big life now. Whatever that means to you. How do you want to get more than you're sowing in life? You sow sparingly, but you want to reap bountifully. This is not just about money. It's about the work you put in. You put in little work, but you want much result. You want much promotion. Glory to God. Verse uh, number nine. Favor comes upon the works of your hands. When the favor of God comes, it comes upon the works of your hands. Glory to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The book of Psalms says, May the favor of our Lord God rest on us. May establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the works of our hands for us. The NIV says, And may the Lord our God show us His approval and make our effort successful. Yes, make our effort what? Successful. Praise God. Now, number 10. We work hard in whatever we do. There are no big jobs. There are no menial jobs. There are no small jobs. There are no... I know most of us maybe want blue-collar jobs, work behind the office. But listen, as a child of God, whatever job God is giving to you, work hard at it. Colossians 3.17 And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Never wait for the big breaks to work hard. Don't say, oh, when I get that job, I'm going to work hard. Cultivate the discipline of working hard right from now. Glory to God. Now, it's the Lord who sees in secret who is going to promote you openly. That's Psalm 75, verse 6 to 7. Now, let me share a few concepts with you in the next five minutes. Praise God. Let's, let's look at this. Establish the discipline of rising early. Establish the discipline of rising early. A proper amount of sleep is essential for good health and it's the gift from God. However, God wants us about too much sleep. If you want to work hard, you must learn and I have all of this coming out in the book. Uh, so there's a whole lot of material here. But look at this. You must beware of the bondage of sleep. Proverbs 26, 6, verse 14. You must beware of sleep that disables. It says, slothfulness casted into a deep sleep. And an idle soul shall suffer hunger. Proverbs 19:15. An idle soul shall suffer hunger. Praise God. If you love sleep. Proverbs 20, 13. Love not sleep. Lest thou come to poverty. Open the eyes and you shall be satisfied with bread. Open your eyes. Be, be, have a vision. Get to do something. And, and all of that. Be well sleep that robs. Robs you of your potential. Robs you of your ability. Praise the name of the Lord. Be well too much sleep. How long without sleep, O sluggard? When will you arise out of your sleep? Proverbs 6, 9. Okay? So, be well of sleep that is untimely. 
He that gathereth in summer is a wise son, but he that sleepeth in harvest is the son that causeth shame. You sleep at the wrong time. It's not, it's not bad to sleep, but you, your timing for sleep is always wrong. When people should be walking, you're sleeping. And then when people are sleeping, you're up. And because people are sleeping when you're up, you have no time, that you have nothing else to do than to watch uh, movies and get on social media and just waste your time. And we're going into that. You cannot be a hard worker if you do not value time. By considering how much time you actually spend on weekly activities, you will gain a fresh motivation for making the most of your minutes. So you cannot, you cannot become a hard worker if you do not value time. If you realize, you know, um, a couple of days ago, I, I, I posted something on, on I, I think, my status. I said, put up the phone, read one hour before you go to bed. And a friend of mine in the U.S. sent me a message. He said, you know what, this your message just inspired me. And he sent an audio, he's a, he, he works as a sound mixer in his church. And he sent me an audio a book over like, maybe like 200 pages that he just went online, downloaded, bought and he just started reading. And he said, you know, this just inspired me to get to read one hour every night before I sleep just to get this book done. That's it. That's it. If you cannot manage your time, you cannot become a hard worker. The difference between the hard worker and the lazy person is management of time. You have, nobody has 25 hours. Nobody. The hard worker doesn't have 25 hours and the, the, the lazy person have 24 hours. No. The hard worker and the lazy worker have 24 hours. They decide what they want to do with their time. Praise God. Alright now. Let's look at this. Thank you Lord Jesus. Now, uh, let, me, let me look at these five principles. And, and I, I think I can, I can wrap up here. Praise God. A good preacher should have like two closings. So this is my first closing. Basic principles for work, number one, work on the right purpose. The very first thing you need to check is to see if you're working on the right purpose. So don't be a hard worker on the wrong thing. Right? You're hard working, but that's not what you should be doing. Praise God. It's like you were called to paint and then you're, you're busy laying uh, plumbing lines. So you need to first of all find out, this thing I'm doing, is this what I should be doing in the first place? I'm sorry, I'm using a lot of social media examples right now, but don't work hard in doing your Facebook page, doing Instagram. You are hard working there, but you've been called to do something else. You're in the office. You should attend to what is ahead of you, but you go about doing something else. Number two, work on the right plan. Have a plan for work. Have a plan for your work. From now to now, I'm going, that's why the most powerful thing to do every day when you get up after spending time to God is to have a to-do list. And don't just have a mental to-do list. Have a written to-do list that you can check. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And manage your time. Work on improvement or work for improvement. As you are hardworking, you get better. You get better at what you're doing. You get better. Don't just work lazily. No. As you're working, get better. Work with passion. Bring passion into your job. Be excited. Praise God. You know, sometimes when, I, when people come to talk to me and they're like, oh, you know, Pastor, you're working hard, you need to rest. It's almost like they need to hit me to the realization that, hey, Le, you're working. It's, it's fun for me. I like what I do. I like this. It's exciting for me to study. It's exciting for me to teach. It's exciting for me to, to just get things done. Praise God. This, your passion must be in your work. Don't get to work and you're draggy and, you know, and, and, you know, you're just, no, you have to speak to yourself. Get, get excited about your work. Praise the name of the Lord. Work to create more value for others. So when we work, we're not just working for ourselves. We are working so that we're able to create values for other people. So whatever we're doing is contributing value for other people. 
Praise God. Now, uh, five, five things in developing a strong work ethic. Number one, finish what you start. That's important. Finish what you start. A lot of people start working hard. They hear a message like this and they go for it. And three days down the line, back into the lazy mood. So finish what you start. Whatever unfinished project you have right now, write it down, get to it, and say, I'm going to finish it. Finish that book. Finish whatever you have to do in your office. Finish that essay. Finish that job application. Finish that online course. That's some of the principles of working hard. It's lazy people that live, on, that live on finished projects. Finish that book you're reading. Why don't you put off your phone early and just finish that book? You've been reading that book for months. You know, hard work is not just about what to get. It's, it's, a, it's a culture that infiltrates all of your life. Praise God. Do more than what's expected of you. Do more than what's expected of you. You're given a task to do. Do more than what is expected. Don't just say, well, this is it. You know, almost like a civil servant mentality. And that's what I loved about Daniel. He said no fault could be found about his job. He did, praise God, he did exactly and more than what he was required that he could find no fault with his job. That's the principle of hard work. And that brings prosperity and increase to your life. We're talking about material increase here. And these are some of the ways we can... How, how would you want to put a lazy man over your job and promote a lazy man in your own personal business? Now, consider yourself and the person you're working for. You know, we have this concept which sometimes can derail believers. And if you well, the word of the wicked is going to come into the hands of the Gentiles. The, the, the man I'm working for is an unbeliever. He doesn't even know God. And, 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 and uh, how am I... Listen, listen, listen. Get to work. Just work. Alright? Just work. Whatever God wants to do in your life regarding promotion, He knows how to get about it. That should not... A resentment for an unbeliever who is ahead of you should not make you lazy in your job. Praise God. Number three, go the extra mile. Go the extra mile. Go the extra mile. The principle of the extra mile. Go the extra mile. Jesus teaches this. Do your best. Do your best. Number four, do your best. Praise God. Do your best. Give your best to the job. Come on, give your best to the job. The person who employed you believes in you. You believe in yourself and get the best done. If, you, if, you, if you're self-employed, believe in your potential. Believe in the abilities that God and the giftings that God has placed on the inside of you and give your best. Number five, find the will to get it done. When you start applying hard work to your life, a lot of obstacles are going to come into your life. Find the will to get it done. I'll go over this again. Number one, finish what you start. Number two, do more than is expected. Number three, go the extra mile. Number four, do your best. Give your best. Give your best. Somebody believes in you. That's why they employed you. You give, their, give, give the best. Somebody pays you every month. Give them your best. Don't, don't steal from them by giving them your weak hours. Don't do your own thing while you're working for your boss. Your boss is paying you to get things done. Get it done. And number five, find the will to get it done. A lot of obstacles are going to come in life as you, as you begin to engage the principles of increase and prosperity and begin to walk in this life. But the blessing of God is on us. The, the, the Holy Ghost has given us an advantage. We have the Holy Ghost on the inside of us. The greater one is on the inside of us. We have the overcomers. We're not the victims. We're the victors. Glory to God. And so it's important for us to understand that the blessing is on us. And nothing can stop our material increase. Nothing can stop our prosperity. Praise God. And it's left for us right now to put in the hard work. Glory to God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We just come before you, Father God, as we expose our heart to the mirror of your word. And we repent. And we just come 
in those areas where we've been lazy, we just pray, Father God, that you'll help us to review them. And in the name of Jesus, we pray, Father God, that a proper understanding of hard work in, in terms of the covenant, in the light of your word, will come upon us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.